Well, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm really proud of you for taking that initiative. I mean, that really took a lot of guts. <clears throat> we, we understand that you, know, you do pay a price for that. And that very uh, construct, that very established order, pecking order, whatever you want to call it, is what a lot of, a lot of us here think is what's wrong with Washington, what's wrong with the way our government operates. If, if you don't play ball with the team leader, then you're really kind of off the team. And no matter what the team, even if what the team leader wants is really not either constitutional or not correct or not in the best interest of the people of this country, uh, you know, you pay a price for bucking the tide. Well, you do, and I think your point is well taken. It's interesting. I was talking to a colleague just within the last uh, 48 hours, and where where they were going with it is is they had been shown a list of the number of votes that leadership had made, and uh, they said, take a look at this. You know, you're not voting with leadership enough, and if you want that chairmanship in the future, you need to really start uh, changing your vote to vote with the rest of us. And he was sharing the story with me, and I said, well, what do you plan to do? He said, well, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I could I could be a chairman, and I could really do well. And, uh, and, and it's that personal advancement that so many members of Congress try to embark on that really undermine the, the very foundation of, of our constitutional principles. So uh, I, I do see that it is it is starting to change, uh, you know, as we look, uh, you, know, you ask about one of my greatest accomplishments. Actually, it's probably the founding of the House Freedom Caucus, because we, uh, Jim Jordan and I got together and said, you know, we've got to be able to stand together. And, and now what we're finding is, is leaders, both on the Senate and in the House side, are coming to meet with the Freedom Caucus because they know they need our vote. And said, well, what can we, how can we make this legislation more conservative, more constitutionally principled, and make it work? And so we're starting to make a difference. We need uh, really the encouragement of, of your listeners to, to stand with us because sometimes it can get real lonely when you're fighting the fight. Well, you know, the House Freedom Caucus is a major step uh, in the right direction. I know that members such as yourself have actually read the Constitution and uh, actually understand the principles involved. But you're still, you're small in number. And so what it appears to us, obviously, here is that we see a small group of people fighting, but a larger group of people who just keep seem to, getting their, to, to be getting their way. Um, are you, how are you trying to fight that? Well, uh, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, really, uh, on on Friday uh, today, as you know, we're talking, and uh, this may be played at a, another time. But it, it's interesting uh, as we are are having this talk. Within a few fa- uh, hours ago, we were in a meeting talking about the budget. And, uh, we would have already had a budget at a much higher number. You know, it's interesting. It's only a few of us fighting back to say we need to show, con- you know, real constraints. We need to balance our budget. And, uh, and yet 
the overwhelming majority in uh, in the conference this morning was saying, "Well, we just need to go ahead, and everybody needs to get along, and and we need to pass a higher number." And uh, so, a number of us made the the compelling case: "Well, we all need to just support a more conservative number and and come together at a lower number." It's real easy to always give in, uh, and I think that that's the tough part. You know, when we're small in number, uh, it's you can stop some things. It's much harder to get good things put in place. And so right now we're playing defense more than offense. Uh, in the in the coming days, I believe that you'll start to see uh, a, uh, a, a real push for the impeachment of Koskinen, uh, John Koskinen, the head of the IRS. Uh, there will be a real push. A number of us in the Freedom Caucus have made that. It's the targeting of freedom-loving Americans that was improper. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that you'll start to see finally some hearings. But that was dead in the water because they didn't want to make waves. And uh, a number of us went that it's time that we start getting serious about what matters to people back home. Well, you know, you bring up a very important uh, subject, and that's, uh, the budget. I mean, obviously, we all are concerned with the budget, not just in the government, not just federal government, but state government. Uh, I just got uh, out of some budget hearings here in the county as a county commissioner. And in our own personal lives, in our families, we have to be worried about the budget. So one of the things that that concerns people like me is passing these large omnibus budget bills, which which everything, everything but the kitchen sink seems to be hidden in there. Why, why is it impossible to just go ahead and pass segmented budgets uh, targeting certain agencies? Say if, you know, uh, say the Defense Department comes and they, they have a budget. Why can't you work on that as separate from Health and Human Services or Education or some other area where we might have some problems with but whereas with defense, we wouldn't have the same problems. Why isn't that possible? Well, it should be that way. And, and honestly, they, they haven't done that in, uh, in five years. They haven't done that. And you're right. They put these omnibus together. I voted against the omnibus, even though it had some things in there. I certainly would like the fund. It had a whole lot of other things that I did. And, uh, and so we've encouraged them. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a real story is the Freedom Caucus board members, uh, in the last week actually met with, uh, Senator John McCain and Senator Lindsey Graham, not known uh, necessarily as, as the, the bastions of conservative, uh, thought. However, they came across, we met with them on exactly what you're talking about, our defense. And I said, uh, that's a constitutionally uh, mandated issue. It's something that we need to support. And, uh, and so I told them, I said, we'll get with you. We'll actually look at passing a separate appropriation on Department of Defense. But let's bring it up first. Let's, let's bring it up to the Senate and the House. Let's pass it, work it together, send it to the president. Then at least we've taken that part off of, of it, and it doesn't become rolled into these massive omnibus bills that you're against, and and, and rightfully so, you should be against it. And 
and so I'm hopeful that you'll see something here in the next few weeks. But you know, hope deferred is uh, you know makes you grow uh, very weary. And I can I can tell you that there's not a whole lot of trust that anybody should have in Washington D.C. And so we're doing the trust but verify. So a number of us are saying uh, let's pass those individual uh, bills because it, it again gives the power of the purse back to where it should be. Uh, instead of just doing these massive, big, top-line numbers that that allows really the executive branch to determine how we spend the money. Well, you brought up the subject before, and, and really we are having a situation here where the executive branch is guilty of extreme overreach at, to the point where, as far as I'm concerned, unconstitutionally so. With his executive orders, the omnibus bill just gives him every bit of freedom whatsoever to spend whatever he wants, wherever he wants it. Uh, so my question to you, and, and what it really reflects on in the eyes of, of we the people, is that Congress is not does not seem to have the backbone to stand up and say you are doing you are taking over what is our responsibility and we will not permit it anymore uh there's got to be some way to do that well there there has to be and, and many members in congress uh dr dan have this uh backbone that is uh like a peeled banana uh you know it, it may have form it may be there but, but certainly it's not very rigid. And, uh, and so what happens is they may come home and they, you know, pound their chest that they're going to stand up against the executive overreach. And then they go back and allow this very same thing to happen again and again. I'm on, uh, uh, a task force that's, uh, called Restoring Constitutional Authority in the Legislative Branch. It, it's my, my primary focus on the task force, there's a number of others I could have been involved with. But really, when you, you get down to that, it, it's all about making sure that that we are the ones that are passing laws, not the executive branch, not that they don't set the spending priorities we do. And yet, we're finding that that's not the case. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, in the 113th Congress, the very first year that I served, there were 72 bills that actually went from the House to the Senate and were signed into law, 72. That same year, there was over 3,500 regulatory laws that got signed into to the federal registry by the executive branch. Well, there's no way that you can have that proper balance if you're allowing the executive branch, fiat, to uh, legislate. Uh, and we've abdicated our position. So unless we're... we're really willing to take a strong stand and sometimes that will come at great cost sometimes it comes at political cost uh it it's time that we do that and and if we're not willing to do that as uh, as a conservative party uh then then we've lost our republic and and i think it's time that we we restore it because right now this fourth branch of government known as the regulatory state, is running a buck over our private property rights, over our constitutional rights, and all the freedoms that were were guaranteed to us uh, in that founding document. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com.
the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. And call them muddy waters. And people, I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Well, that's really what I call theft by regulation. And, and, you know, you can have your property seized, which is bad enough, but you, you, if you have your, your right to enjoyment and free use of your property, if you have that taken away, your property rights have been diminished and your property has been stolen from you by regulation. And we all know the waters of the U.S. rules uh, and I know that's what you were you were hinting at and talking about, where you can have a ditch on your property that has no running water in it at all except one day a year, and all of a sudden the feds can come on in there and try to regulate everything that goes on in and around that ditch with with quite a wide barrier. So you can actually lose a whole bunch of property just by having a simple ditch that may fill with water in a heavy rain. Well, and, and it's well said, uh, Dan. I mean, what, what we've come with uh, is, you know, I've been in a number of these hearings and fought back as recent as the last couple of weeks on the, the waters of the USA new regulation because what they were saying is, oh, we're just clarifying. We're not going to regulate any more land. But, one, that doesn't match up with what their documents say. Two, uh, my question to them is, is if you're going to regulate less and it's going to make it clear, that should mean that this is cheaper to uh, actually carry out. And they were requesting $250 million to propagate and, and carry out this new rule. So you can't have it both ways. It can't make it simpler and you control less and yet be more expensive to regulate. And so uh, they're being disingenuous not only with their argument. But obviously their agenda is uh, very fully aware of where they're going with that. Well, Mark, they, they definitely have uh, an end game, uh, and that is the control of property. And, you know, here in the East, uh, we are somewhat fortunate that the full force of the federal government has not come down on us uh, here as bad as it has out West. Now, obviously, we're fighting... Uh, land grabs by the U.S. Forest Service. I mean, that's a major problem for us here in western North Carolina. Uh, our commission just passed a, a resolution in which we uh, told the Forest Service we did not want them to take another 20 or 25,000 acres of Cherokee County and turn it into uh, w- a wildlife 
you know, the preserved um, wilderness land, because uh, you know when they do that, it's not just the 25,000 acres. It's every single access road in and out of there, which becomes protected. And before you know it, there's less and less land available for use of the people who supposedly own the land. But out west, we have seen some really, really just some terrible things going on out there with the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, it, again, it gets back to the the government overreach and what we see it out west. Certainly, that is, is one of those areas where uh, they've been dealing with it. I'm actually a member of the Western Caucus. I'm the only guy in the East to be a member of the Western Caucus because a lot of the issues we deal with with federal land, you know, go hand in glove with the, what they're fighting there. But when you start to see it, it, it is really more about not only uh, putting in wilderness. And, and, and for the listeners, they need to understand, everybody can say, well, we love wilderness. We love wildlife. And I do. I love both of those things. But the definition, the the, the sheer definition of wilderness really p- precludes the access other than maybe hiking in. Uh, but let's say you have a, a, a disability. You know, you can't cut in a road to get someone in. Uh, you know, and the older I get, the more I want to make sure that, that I can enjoy it. But I also want to be able to, to be able to get to there pretty easily. And those wilderness designation uh, really are set aside. I mean, it takes all the property and set it aside. So, you know, my, my uh, kudos to you, my hats off to you uh, and the commission for taking that stand. A number of county commissioners have done that, and I can tell you that the Forest Service really looks very closely at the intent of our, our county government uh, and takes that into to, uh, effect. It's one of the few things that they will actually listen to uh, because they believe that you're closest to the people. And so, uh, the, you know, we need to use our natural resources in a very responsible way. But we're we're one of the only countries in the world that actually sets all our natural resources aside and then uh, doesn't use them and uh, doesn't manage them. And, and so for me, it's all about effective management and making sure that, you know, all of the hardworking American taxpayers have the ability to uh, truly enjoy uh, those those properties and, and outdoor spaces that uh, are are uniquely theirs. Well, that's really the point, Mark. And uh, you know, and, and I know that you feel very strongly about this because I know you will. Uh, and it's one thing to say, yeah, you can't throw trash out the car as you're driving down the road, and uh, you don't want to be spilling diesel fuel into the creek and I mean, those, those are the kind of things which make really good common sense. The problem is, is that they've been taken to the extreme. Uh, for instance, uh, I recently became aware that, that out west, one of, one of the things that's critical for our country uh, are rare earth elements. And rare earth elements, at this point, we are importing almost all the rare earth elements we use are being imported from China. But... We have enough to supply our own needs in this country for a century. It's just the problem is it's on land that's been designated uh, untouchable by the EPA, and it just sits there, unusable to us, while we pay one of our true enemies on Earth to get rare earth elements in here, which are necessary for all kinds of manufacturing processes. 
So that's just an example of how these kind of regulations and, and sequestering land really puts us at a disadvantage. Well, it does put us at a disadvantage, and, and economically we're paying the price. And I would say even politically we're playing, playing the, the, the price right now because what's happened is we allow uh, ours to be off-limit, and whether it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, rare precious metals or, you know, fossil fuels, uh, you know, there was a study done where actually if you just took the royalties on the, the known fossil fuel reserves that we have and just the royalties, that we could retire the debt in less than, in less than 10 years, uh, just by allowing, allowing those royalties to flow through on debt reduction and yet we put them off limits. And so, uh, the countries that are succeeding, uh, are certainly those that seek do us harm, uh, both on the national stage and uh, and economically. And one day we're going to wake up. But my fear is, is uh, without good men and women really representing the will of the people, that we'll wake up far too late. Well, that certainly is a fear of of many of us. And um, Congressman Meadows, we are we are really blessed to have you there because I know that you are a fighter for the conservative way. You're a fighter for our rights, our property rights. Uh, and that's really important to us here. But And I know that you know that all of this government land grabs, they're all part of this concept of, of the Wildlands Treaty from 1994, where most of the United States is turned into a wilderness basically and and human beings are supposed to live in human zones and cherokee county our county is actually if you look at the wildlands treaty map we're in a non-human zone uh, and that's really what they're trying to achieve because populations that are sequestered in small areas are obviously easier to control so that's really what's going on when i look at what the blm is doing out west all this business in, in Oregon recently was all related to the BLM trying to chase private property owners off what they want to be a wildlife sanctuary. Well, they, they have. In fact, it's interesting. Even, even some of our more moderate members uh, understand that principle and are fighting against that. You're going to see some legislation uh, in the coming months that addresses that specifically as it relates to BLM, uh, but it also will relate to those private property rights. And, and even on some of that, those were uh, a lot of those were grazing rights that may have had a federal component, but they were there was a contract there. And so now what what's happened is is that we start to see uh, the federal government saying, well, it's not okay to even live by the agreement that we have, we want to expand that agreement. We want to make it uh, uh, much more trouble, uh, you know, much more, uh, I guess, intrusive on those that uh, already have an agreement. One of the interesting things that even comes back to us locally is uh, uh, I was talking to the uh, Tennessee Valley Authority the other day, and, and they're talking about taking houseboats off of Lake Fontana in the western part of uh, the, the state. And yet, here we are. The reason they're doing that is under the guide of clean water. But 
evidence shows that Fontana is actually cleaner now because of some of the local control that has been made by those local governments than it was even uh, at the inception of uh, the building of the dam originally. And so, you know, uh, again, local control uh, is is far superior than federal mandates that have to be implemented by a bureaucrat that will never be held accountable. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Well, unfortunately, that is what's happening to a lot in the medical profession. That's why there's a shortage of trained professionals and why it's harder and harder to get appointments. Uh, But this won't be really solved until we really get back to a free market uh, type system. And speaking of free markets, I'd like to touch on trade. Uh, Trade is a big issue now with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. you know as well as I do in, in our district, Congressman Meadows, NAFTA was a disaster. It was a disaster for Cherokee County. Uh, I remember Ross Perot talking about that big sucking sound. Well, it actually occurred to us. We lost all of our major industries within, within 12 to 18 months of NAFTA being signed. Cherokee County lost uh, well over 50% of its jobs. They went to Mexico pretty much. And now we have a Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, situation where uh, that looks like it's really the same thing, but on a much, much larger scale. And also I understand there's some sovereignty uh, issues in which our sovereignty has been compromised by this uh, deal. How do you see it? Well, you've hit a couple of the areas that are critical, and it's why I voted against uh, the TPA agreement that would actually fast-track the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I have some in the district who are encouraging me to do this, but this is not a free trade. This is what I would call structured trade, Dr. Dan. And as you uh, well said, when NAFTA came in, the sucking sound was in much of western North Carolina. I've heard from a number of our manufacturers who, who actually uh, have, have been hurt, many of them. Uh, some of them, if they're still around, were hurt so bad that they came close to going out of business. You and I both know a number of, of uh, our manufacturing base uh, left and went to Mexico. This particular deal has a potential to do exactly that because it doesn't it doesn't deal with everything. It sets up what I would say an unfair trade in that it doesn't address uh, currency manipulation. It doesn't address uh, a number of uh, using either very low cost skilled uh, labor or low cost unskilled labor labor. And uh, the the final thing, where I was one of the few, uh, actually, when the TPA thing came in, uh, you had to go to a a 
uh, classified briefing to read it. I was one of the few members that actually read the 758 pages that I was asked to vote on. And it has sovereignty issues where it sets it up as a you know international arbitration on some of the areas that uh, I, I just can't support. You know, the, uh, the United States is the strongest both militarily and economically. China is fast coming on in both of those areas. Some would argue that they're stronger economically already. But yet, I'm not willing to give my decision-making ability up to uh, some foreign or international body uh, to be the arbitrators of uh, truth and fair play. Uh, leave that with the U.S. court system, so allow that to, to continue to be uh, determined here in the United States, not by some international body or international treaty that would be subject to that. Now, there, there are caveats that would say, oh, no, it protects American sovereignty, but I can tell you there's enough of ambiguity and contradictory language in what I've read that would give me great cause for concern. Those would have to be addressed. Uh, we would need to address all of these areas to make sure that that we can support what we need to support. Well, you know, Congressman Meadows, from a philosophical point of view, uh, there is a great divide in this country. Uh, and I know you feel it, and I know you understand it. Um, f- there is no feeling of unity in this country. Uh, when my, grand, my grandparents were immigrants from Europe to this country, when they came here, they only wanted one thing. They wanted to be Americans. Where they came from did not appear in, in their name or in their origin as a, a hyphen. Uh, they, they only wanted to be Americans. They wanted to take part in, in this great country of ours. They wanted to be part of the American dream. They wanted to raise their children, educate their children, which they did. We went from immigrant to educated professionals in one generation. As a matter of fact, one of my grandparents became a dentist. He came here as an, as an eight-year-old a boy with his, three, with his four older brothers, and he actually ended up working in a, man, into a, in a factory to earn enough money to go to dental school and practice dentistry. So that's what the American dream was, but they wanted to be part of, they wanted to be Americans. They wanted to be part of that melting pot. We don't have a melting pot now. Uh, we have individual groups and individual communities, uh, and that just makes it easier for politicians to pander to different groups and say, if you vote for me, I'll give you this. But when you give something to Group A, you really have to take it away from Group B. Well, and that's well said. The, the federal government does not actually generate anything. It doesn't actually manufacture anything. It only transfers things. And when you think of it in that way, if it's transferring, it has to take away from one entity to give to another. The other is, in, in that transferring, they're not the most efficient person to transfer. And so uh, because they don't create anything, because they don't make anything, because they don't earn anything, it is everybody else's earning and making and manufacturing that they are transferring the wealth from one individual to another or one liberty from one to another. Uh, and 
and it's just not what our founding fathers were all about. You said it so well. It's, it's people came to America to allow that freedom to be expressed, to become a proud American, and and to live the American dream. And yet, what we're doing is is the American dream is quickly digressing to become the government dream. And if you get the right government official on your side, you can live the dream. I, for one, uh, believe that that's a huge mistake. The other is is that if we allow that to continue, we have to hope for a benevolent government that is willing to look favorably upon us. And when we do that, we go all the way full circle back to uh, a government that we had to put off in order to exercise the freedoms that we enjoy today. Well, I would submit to you, Congressman Meadows, that we have reached a point in this country where conditions are very similar to those that were present here in the 1770s, where we had a tyrannical central government. We had a mo- an actual monarch uh, in the form of King George and his soldiers who actually owned this country. He felt he could do what he wanted with us. The, the, there were no freedoms that he did not take for himself, that the people who lived here, the citizens of the colonies, were really just property of the monarch. Uh, and when a federal government can control your health care, can control your property, can take these things away from you at a moment's notice, are you truly free? And so we've come to this huge divide Huge divide, Congressman Meadows. We have a part of the country that firmly believes in capitalism and the free market and another part that believes in socialism. Uh, We have part that understands uh, the risk of large government, of huge government, and wants limited government. And then we have the rest who directly benefit from having big government. So I'm asking you, what chance do we have to mend that gap? Well, what we have to do, Dr. Dan, is really figure out uh, the best way to communicate how the failures of socialism and a socialized team has never worked. You know, try to show me any successful long-term model of that. It is very difficult to find. We know at the founding of our great country, they tried socialism. It didn't work. It didn't work then. It won't work now. And yet, what we have to show is we have to show the great prosperity uh, that comes with a free market and a limited government. Right now, uh, so many people look to this issue, and as they start to look at this issue, they really uh, struggle with uh, those freedoms because we have a hybrid. We have some free market but we have a government-regulated re- free market. So they're saying, well, if I just had a little bit more government regulations, I could maybe succeed. And so they cry out for the very thing that really has stopped it from working. And so hopefully we'll be able to uh, to address that and come, come around. But it's this next generation that we've got to reach out to. If we do, ultimately uh, we're able to take back our country. If we don't, then indeed we will be in an issue where we're struggling uh, with the demise of, of the, the most freedom-loving lo- uh, country in the world. Well, Congressman Mark Meadows, you've demonstrated in this discussion that you and I have had why 
why you are my favorite congressman. You, you, are, you understand the Constitution. You understand what it truly means. All your positions that you take are based upon the same understanding of freedom that our founding fathers had. It's been a pleasure to have you as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Uh, I will guarantee you that you will have my vote. Uh, and I know that my listeners will be looking favorably to vote for you as well when you run again in November. Uh, we need more people who believe as you do in Washington, D.C. There's only so much we can do locally. We can do a lot of stuff locally. But unfortunately, the way things are structured now, we have to depend on freedom-loving, constitutionally-minded uh, legislators like yourself to help us in Washington. Dr. Congressman Meadows, thank you so very much. Well, it's been great to be with you, my friend. Thank you, Dr. Dan. God bless you, and God bless your listeners. Look forward to being back with you. Take care. And God bless you and your family, and we are truly blessed to have you as our congressman. Thank you. Thank you. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website www.drdansfreedomforum.com The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything gonna be alright this morning.